Maui Nui is on a mission to help balance axis deer populations for the good of our environment, communities, and food systems on the island of Maui. They've shared over 126,000 pounds of nutrient-dense protein with the Maui community. Secure your spot now. Become a snack subscriber and join in helping to build more resilient food and ecosystems on Maui. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I-Venison.com. And use promo code BEAR for 20% off your first order. You know what my favorite text is? A waypoint in the Onyx Hunt app to a goblin turkey. The list on the Onyx Hunt app features for chasing turkeys is long, but knowing exact public and private boundaries and land ownership details will help you find more places to hunt, whether that's on public or private. I'll be toting the Hunt app through the spring woods in a few states this year, and I recommend you do the same if you want more turkeys on your table. Also, Onyx has a special offer for you. Use code BEARGREASE to receive 20% off your membership at onyxmaps.com hunt this spring. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. Simply pour a can in your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. My name is Clay Newcomb, and this is a production of the Bear Grease podcast called the Bear Grease Render, where we render down, dive deeper, and look behind the scenes of the actual Bear Grease podcast. Presented by FHF Gear, American-made, purpose-built hunting and fishing gear that's designed to be as rugged as the places we explore. Welcome to Bear Grease Render. My, oh my, man, today is different than probably anything we've ever done. Usually, Casey and Tyler, we have, (laughs) spoiler alert, usually we have like six people on the Bear Grease Render. Six people, which is a lot of fun. But you guys are so much fun that (laughs) there's only three of us here. Well, we can eat enough for six people. That's right, man. You know? It just means we've got it rendered down to the purity. You Ooh. know what I mean? Like it's it's Oh, that's that's good. Yeah. Yeah. It's milky I, white. I have no doubt that you guys could eat <laughs> enough <laughs> chips and salsa. Okay, if you don't know Casey Smith, Tyler Jones of the Element. Appreciate it. They are from Texas. Man, I enjoy watching Casey eat chips and salsa. <laughs> like I, like, to me, it's like it's like it's like watching somebody ride a, a good pleasure horse through an arena. You know, just kind of like a thing of beauty, or 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 watching a marathon runner like you know stride through mile twelve. It's you the know? first it's time like, I've man. been compared to a marathon runner, I believe, ever. So it makes good sense. But when when you hammered out on chips and salsa, it's like I I, I feel joy. Yeah. So it's the same thing I feel whenever you eat, you know, uh, oatmeal or whatever. It, no, what is it? Granola. That's what you eat a lot of, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, man, hey, you know, 
a man's gotta a man's gotta stick to his guns uh, on his diet when he travels. That's the one thing I've learned in in my traveling over the last decade is, man, if you break if you break the routine much, you'll you won't have a routine at all. Yeah, yeah. I guarantee you. It's- you know what? When I was with, uh, I, I spent a little bit of time with Will Primos, and what you wouldn't know about Will Primos just from watching him kill elk and call and love turkey hunting is that he is an extreme man of discipline and wherever he goes he goes and does his own grocery shopping and eats his own food in camp hmm. Hmm. i took note of that i was like that takes some dedication because it's hard we have to make food for like five people when we go places so <laughs> we eat our own food and uh make food for everybody else 10 so. pounds of ground taco meat <laughs> <laughs> a pot of enchiladas six gallons of salsa that's Dude, right i'm telling no, you i want to i want to introduce everybody to my guests this is casey smith and tyler jones uh of the element the element is a what tell it what's the element y'all tell me what the element is it's what we're living in man That's just right, living in our man. element here you know <laughs> go for it mr puns <laughs> so um the element is is uh pretty much everything that Tyler and I do and and we've got some help with with Greg and Eric and Michael uh we video all of our hunts we have a sort of weekly podcast I, I kind of say that jokingly we we, we get that out uh, pretty much on on the week and it's kind of a chronicle of of our stories our hunts and just we try to share um the knowledge that we accumulate by hunting so much you know we try to not be we're not experts at things and you know i feel like it's it's pretty uh i don't know it's it's not a good thing to consider yourself an expert of anything but i like to say we have a lot of experience so we try to share what we experience with other people and hopefully we can all learn to be better hunters Mm -hmm. together through that so that's that's kind of what the element is uh and it's just uh i don't know what we are we had a video series on meteor last year called buck truck and I think the uh, intro for that is me talking real short and sweet. Say two buddies hopping a pickup, travel the country hunting deer. And that is about near what we are mixed in with about, I don't know, uh, 20% Bible study throughout uh, all that as well. Yeah. <laughs> it started with fishing, you know. I mean, that's what that's what was uh, is kind of funny, you know. So we just like doing it all, kind of like you, man, or old Brent Reeves, you know. We just like doing uh, being outdoors. And if, if there's something to chase or catch or – we're fine. We're we're doing it, man. Yeah. So, you guys are colleagues of mine. You, you work for Meat Eater, at which you've done for the last year. Is that about right? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Close to it. Man, what's what's it been like working for Meat Eater? It's uh, it's different. That's for sure. You know, I actually have because y'all are entrepreneurs. Y'all 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 had your own business did all your own stuff, had had this YouTube channel, podcast called The Element, mm-hmm. Travels and Hunted, and then now you work for, now you work for Meat Eater. Yeah. Well, there's cool pretty things. cool. Yeah, we try to remain just true to who we've always been, mm-hmm. and that's kind of difficult whenever you have outside influences of things, but then at the same time, it's nice to uh, uh, be able to collaborate and put together some some good thoughts and, and some, some minds and some different experiences from around the country and just make sure you can kind of refine what we have been doing. And that's essentially kind of, I mean, man, outside of like having a bigger network and, you know, quite honestly, a boss, like not a lot has changed for what we do. You know, we still 
operate this thing essentially how we want to and, uh, you know, just pursue having the most fun <laughs> we can yep, yep. <laughs> that's uh, that's legal for, you know, a couple guys to do. Yeah. Well, I, I think that's that's kind of what I was getting at in a way is that I feel like you guys coming into meter really hasn't changed a lot of of what you want, and and that's what they were just to peek, you know, crack the the veil back just a little bit. I mean, I feel like I feel like that's what Meteor did for me, as they said, "Hey, you be you and do what you do and do what you're passionate about, but just work for us." Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's an ideal situation. And I, I feel like that's what's from from outside looking in. I feel like that's what's happened with you guys is that they've uh, they've just kind of broadened your horizons, but you guys are still who you were before. Yeah, for sure, man. I mean, that's that's what uh, that's the same kind of thing we had in discussions going you know prior to this was you know can we can we continue to just be who we are because that's what we want to be, man. That's honest, you know, and that's what we want is honesty in what we do, and and uh, so well, you, I mean. It hasn't changed a whole lot of what we do outside of the fact that I got to really take care of receipts, you know. But, uh, you know. <laughs> that is the biggest That is the biggest problem with corporate America. <laughs> I guarantee you. Receipts. <laughs> Golly. Yeah. yeah. And it's because it, – oh. like, Is yours because you don't like touching them because the radiation? That's, that, that's mine, <laughs> you know. Like <laughs> – those uh, you know, those oh. heat print receipts, man. That, that's that's what's giving us all melanoma. Yeah, that's right. That's tough. Yeah. Every time I like am on on a work trip and like buy a coffee at a gas station, and I uh, and the person does not give me a receipt, and I go, "Hey, could, could I have a receipt?" Mm-hmm. I feel like they think that I think that they cheated me. Yeah, yeah. and they're like, "Oh, oh." So you know, there's a lot of personal drama involved in receipts, man. Guarantee you, I almost bought the, <laughs> I almost bought a drink with cash this morning because I didn't want to have to ask for the receipt. Oh yeah, dude. Sometimes it's oh, not worth it. it that's just, tough. That's tough. Dude, yeah. The worst part is like, well, we all got accustomed to this. You know, I'm speaking to an elder millennial here with Clay Newcomb, but uh, <laughs> you still fall in the category, right? Like we we were around for the transition of prepay to like just pay at the pump right and so mm. like we love pay at the pump for a gas station i like being able to just make a quick stop on the road and just go you know like i i, I have a large bladder for a medium-sized man so i don't have to use the bathroom too much <laughs> Not me. and so like Not i can me. just pay at the pump and go you know and then guarantee you like more often than not, the receipt machine don't work on the pump, and yep. you got to go inside after all this, and then you end up seeing a package of peanuts you want. You know, it just ain't good. It know? sounds like a it sounds like a first world problem, <laughs> but when you travel for a living, I mean, it's pretty yeah. tough to to you lose. You're losing ten minutes of your life at a time every you know every week or every four hundred miles. Yeah, yeah. that's guarantee. Right. <laughs> man, man, problems, problems, yeah. problems. Mm-hmm. Well, no, but it's been I, good, I look Clay. forward to the day when when there's so much surveillance in our country that just like you just go to a gas pump and just like get gas and it just like knows who you are already, knows your bank account already, oh good, and knows where you work for already, and you just like just everything's just all automated. Hey, we're there, man. I just got an email from uh, Ornithology. Uh, or- Ornithology is that how you say it? Yeah. Um, Cornell uh, Institute. Cornell Institute. Um, and, cl- and literally 20 minutes before that, KC and I were having a big bird conversation with another guy. So 
Uh, they they are already there. <laughs> They're, They're listening, listening, man. They know. Mm. Yeah. No, I hope y'all know that I was kidding about my surveillance. Thing. Oh, <laughs> I, I know. <laughs> hey, I let me let me go ahead and just for for people who wouldn't who wouldn't be familiar with you guys, let me just I want to introduce you even further to the Bear Grease audience as that. Hey, th- these guys right here are some serious deer hunting machines, and I don't <laughs> throw that kind of stuff around lightly. I really don't. I mean, I mean, I, I think I think in a in a, in, a, in a brotherhood, compliments are earned. They're not just guaranteed. Mm. And uh, I'm just glad you didn't and, say serious conspiracy theorists because that's what I thought you were fixing well, to I mean, say. Y'all are you that. could say that. I know we're. We're all into that, yeah. But uh, no, Casey and Tyler are 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 really good hunters, and y'all have really had a lot of success. And um, and the and the proofs in the pudding to what you guys are doing. And I was able to hunt with y'all for a week last year in Arkansas, and uh, it, it was a really unique experience for me because Us too, uh, don't get me wrong. <laughs> you guys are crazy. <laughs> Because you guys are absolutely nuts. Um, no, I, you know, I, I tell too. people all the time. I tell people, really, I, I told somebody this week, I said, man, I hunted with the Element guys. And I said, we hunted six days, morning and evening, six days. And I said, those guys never sat in the same tree twice. Yep. And, I, and I, because we were in a boat, we were, we were hunting by a boat. I, I'd kind of just submitted myself to, you know, I'm just going to do this the way these guys do it. Um, my instinct would have been to, and just the way I've done things. I mean, I don't even know if it's an instinct. It's just the way I think about whitetail hunting is, you know, you would go to a spot and you'd sit there probably two or three sits at least, just give it a chance to work itself out or, 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 or heck even dig in longer and, and sit there longer than that. And you guys were like, "No, nah, man, we're 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 gonna move a bunch," <laughs> and and uh, really, what I I feel like you were doing is and and probably do a lot of is, is capitalize on the first time sits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And and when you're traveling around, let let me tell you guys something about yourself, okay? <laughs> let, me, let me let me explain y'all to you, okay? All right. uh, that no, the other thing is is that. Y'all do something that I don't always do. I, I'm most of my whitetail hunting is local, and I'm going to places that I go to all the time and have gone to for a long time. And uh, you guys are going into new areas, new places, and have very short time frames to to hunt. So, so you've got to turn up the knob, the the volume of concern, or, or, or you've got to be kind of extreme in a way. Like you can't be conservative. Like if you're going to the same 160 acre property for 15 hunts between you know October 1st and November 15th, like you kind of have to dial back the aggression because you're going to burn out your spots. You're going to bump your deer, and you may already know kind of what's going on. You go, you show up at some place you've never been to. You've only seen it on on X. You got to be aggressive. And you got to take a bunch of risk, and boy, that it seems to really 
pay off sometimes. And I, I'm sure sometimes you strike out or sometimes you mess something up, but then you just go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, would you say that's a pretty good descriptor of the way y'all hunt? Yeah. I mean, it, it, it for sure is. I, I, I think that uh, there's a lot of calculations that uh, may go under the radar when we're hunting with somebody, you know, like, uh, but one thing that, I mean, we do, we certainly have like a, de- a pretty good degree of aggression in our sits and those kind of things, but it also is very dependent upon like what we've got going in the area, you know, cause you don't want to, sure. if you got one spot that hunts on a North wind in that area, you don't want to blow it out. If you got to drive an hour and a half to get to another spot that hunts on a North wind. So, um, you know, and, and a lot of that aggressiveness comes, f- uh, through like a freedom that we have from scouting all summer on 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 x you know on the maps um so we're able to have a pretty good idea um what things are going to kind of look like and uh what's going to work for us going in and, and we we have a lot of commonalities too there's some definite them some things that we do different think about different but like the one thing that we do have in common that really helps us to be effective the most <laughs> is that we are pretty i think at least, you know, I, I feel like it's weird kind of saying this about myself, but we're fairly selfless in the way we look at uh, how we take spots and how we hunt and these kind of things. You got to be whenever you you're have to partner be. hunting. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And yeah. Um, and it's just, uh, that's really, I mean, there's, you know more about this, Clay, but I won't elaborate, but this foundationally, that's where we are uh, in kind of what we think and what we believe. So um, we, we don't ever really hardly ever argue about anything too much anymore i mean getting getting used to each other early on you know is a thing but like um we don't we never hardly like if if there's a spot somebody wants to go to i mean we almost like nobody will take it you know what i mean it's like oh no you go there right. and it's like no yeah. i got another spot over here and you just okay well are you really saying that That's or right. you know is that uh, it gets to the point where you're trying to figure out like hey this is what I want, where I want to go the worst. But are you avoiding that spot because you know I want to go there? You know, <laughs> yep. and, and so you know, you kind of come full circle on the thing. But uh, I talk about this quite a bit. But I, I preach against pride all the time, man. Like you can't have like any level of pride or self. I don't want to say self confidence, but like because you—that's good when it comes to hunting. But like self ambition, yeah, exactly. Self ambition, yeah. right? It was it James three five, and that what it was? Uh, that you said? Yeah, something like yeah. In James three or something. Yeah. And so, like, um, if you're doing this thing and your common goal is for everyone to have a great time and hunt deer and be successful, like the thing that Tyler and I do that I, I cherish is that we can look at a spot that we've never been to or that we have either way and just shoot a bunch of holes in the bottom of the boat for about five or 10 minutes and come out with the best possible plan. Mm -hmm. And I think it's like key to success for us, man. Oh, for sure. I mean, if one person shoots a deer, I actually killed a deer on Texas public land the other day, about a week ago or so. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, KC was like, I just listened to him straight up because he went in and hung this camera and wasn't able to, to go on that hunt that, that, particular night and uh he was like hey the deer do this there's two thickets here they travel this way they're going to hit a scrape on the edge of that transition in between two thickets and the wind you know is just going to be it's going to be a matter of wind and i went in there and i played the wind where it was just off and it was able to get into a tree based off of that and like kill the deer you know because i just straight up listened to kc you know i I mean and that's kind of that that's that thing that really there's a big common theme 
in whitetail hunting the last few years, and maybe it's going away a little bit, but uh, especially when we, were, when we were getting started, there was this lone wolf mentality, and uh, you know, right. and it, it's very prideful. It's very much like I can do this, and I want to do it, and I'm, I'm going to do it my way, and I don't need anybody to help me. When really everybody's going out there to shoot a deer. We're hunting. We're not nature walking. You know what I mean? Right. So uh, <laughs> if you want to shoot a deer, sometimes it's okay to listen to your friend and just be like, "That was fun. That was fun." You know what I mean? And and if you you want it a different way next time, you can do it too. But um, anyway, I just think that it's it's way better way better thing to have um you know your buddies helping each other out it just it makes camp way more fun man yeah man and you gotta have some discernment too and keep good friends and good hunting buddies that you know are gonna make some good decisions for you or at least like i ain't gonna name any names but we we might have a friend somewhere (laughs) in this world who might not uh actually have the best advice but i still listen to him you know Mm -hmm. and and hunt with him and hang out but you kind of got to figure out who you can count on that kind of stuff too but that doesn't mean you can't count on that individual as a person you know those are two different things you know Mm -hmm. well that's uh, that's a really cool perspective And and i saw that in action with you guys and and you know like when i saw y'all have had a really good fall this year and Heck, even I just said it. I said, y'all have had a really good fall. Well, Tyler's killed three deer. Is that right? That's yep. right. Yeah. Yep. That's right. And then, and in my mind, when I hear one of you have killed a deer, I, it like, it actually, it's, it's like y'all are the same, same person. Like, it's like, <laughs> they got one. It's you weird, know? dude. It's like a married couple, man. That's you it. know, it's like, <laughs> I, can't, it's, can't it's a little it. weird, but you know, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it is. No, it's a no. win for us. So it is, man. Like, uh, you know, there's a there's a there's a there's a certain degree of that, and then there's this also this degree where like last year I had a little bit rougher year overall than I normally do. Uh, had some things that just didn't go my way, and um, and you know you feel a little bit like almost like you're not helping the team out like you should or whatever. You're not doing your part a little bit, but I know like right. it's not on a per deer basis. You know, like KC's super happy for me when I shoot a buck, and and vice versa, but. Uh, you know, you get a couple bucks behind, and yeah. you're like, "Oh man, I'm a, I got to do something." But it's here, a good you know? pressure. You it know, is. it's like it's like Tyler and I are playing linebacker for for meat eater right now, just hunting deer. You know, and like he's up, he's got three sacks this game, and I ain't got none. You know what I mean? Actually, I got one. <laughs> uh, but you know, you're just like, it's good for everybody when the sacks happen. But I kind of want a few of my own. You know, which it was kind of weird this year too, because we went to uh, Nebraska and uh, we killed bucks on the same night. It was awesome yeah. it's the second year in a row that we've done cool that video. which is just it's such a blessing man but the deer i shot um this this and this this video will be on the meteor channel tyler's is way bigger it's already on the <laughs> element channel right now and but i almost didn't get to enjoy tyler's deer as much as i wish i would have because my shot was uh like my deer just what didn't how do you say it the shot wasn't as good as i wanted it was lethal and everything was great but you know, I was like a little bit anxious about that, and it almost sure. took away from the experience because I just would have. Don't get me wrong; I'm glad I killed a deer, but I would have loved to just been able to just relish the fact that Tyler killed one of the biggest eight points I've ever seen in my life. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. and I kind of yeah, yeah. got to miss out on part of that because I was all concerned about going and finding my deer. So, like, yeah, no, I, I understand. I don't know. It, it is cool to um, have that relationship where you you can truly just have joy for the other person. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of well, things it teaches you, man. What well, we're we're learning a lot of things about life, really, through this man, through this old deer hunting thing that we're doing.
Ready to win Mother's Day and cement your reputation as the best gift giver in the family? Give the moms in your life an Aura digital picture frame preloaded with decades of family photos. She'll love looking back on these memories and seeing what you're up to today. Even better, with unlimited storage and an easy-to-use app, you can keep updating mom's frame with new photos, so it's the gift that keeps on giving. And this is not a joke. Juju Nukem has an Aura frame, and we share photos, and they're incredible. Also, my mother-in-law has one. We have them. They truly are really good, really high quality. The Aura frame is easy to set up. It takes just two minutes to set up a frame using the Aura app. It also adjusts the display depending on light levels in the room to maintain the true color of your photos. For real, the digital screen is amazing. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame when you use code BEAR, B-E-A-R, BEAR. That's AuraFrames.com. Use code BEAR at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Montana Knife Company was founded by Josh Smith, one of the world's most experienced master bladesmiths. He's been making knives for 30 years. Made in the USA and manufactured locally in Montana. The knives come with a multi-generational warranty and free sharpening. Designed, tested, and built by hunters, MKC is a hunting knife company first and foremost. They have the sharpest knives out of the box and the easiest knives to sharpen. And that is the dadgum truth. You better be careful with them when you get them. They are sharp. MKC is a fast-growing company. They just hired their 55th employee and are looking to hire about 50 more in the next year or so. I've carried a lot of these Montana knives, and the one that I like the most is their Speed Goat, which is a lightweight hunting knife, just the right size. MKC knives sell out within minutes of being released. So head over to MontanaKnifeCompany.com. They have new knives for sale every Thursday at 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. So check their website and sign up for their text and email alerts. That is the best way to find out when they have knives available. Use code BEARGREASE10 for 10% off your first order. Montana Knife Company, working knives for working people. The old timers say that the turkeys start gobbling when the leaves are as big as squirrel's ears and the red buds start popping. And we're about there. And we are there in the south. The Onyx Hunt app is one of my most valuable tools in the spring woods. With tools like coniferous versus deciduous tree distribution layer, you can save time by locating edges or transition areas of mixing habitats from home. Find an area like this with water in close proximity, and more than likely, there will be a goblin turkey nearby. Knowing the exact boundaries of private ground ensures I stay on the right side of the fence, but can easily find public ground to go see if I can't strike a gobbler. If you do get one to sound off, using compass mode and waypoints will help you pinpoint his exact location, allowing you to move in and make the perfect setup to bring him right into your lap. Download the Onyx Hunt app today. You'll be glad you did. Onyx has a special offer for you. Use code BEARGREASE to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com slash hunt this spring. Well, maybe y'all could give me some advice because uh, my partner, uh, Brent Reeves, is uh, I know he's an undercover agent, double undercover, playing the long game on me. (laughs) And I tell you what. One of the best friends you could ever have is an undercover wildlife agent. Yeah. I mean, they're a lot of fun. 
They're always ready to go, always ready for new ideas. Um, but anyway, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you should, yeah, you, you could, you could go double agent on him. That's you what know, you should do. I mean, you I'm, should I'm join not, the force. I'm not kidding. <laughs> say that. What, what'd you say? You should, Casey? you should join the force and go double agent on him. You know, like, well, be a mole. Okay. It, this is a joke, but actually the first couple of years that Brent was hanging around, I, it, it was my, by my, it was kind of like I had just stepped into an outdoor media platform, and I have always been just paranoid about breaking the law and different things. And I'm serious. I actually, I actually thought this guy might be working for the government. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that's just the Arkansas thing. I think that's just the way y'all feel about stuff. Yeah. You, know? you just feel like a little paranoid. Yeah. You know, like there's just this thing that you're born with. It's like, man, I might have already done something wrong. I didn't even know what it was. You know, <laughs> <laughs> and, and <the> deer was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. That's it. Exactly. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, we're from from deep western Arkansas there in East Texas, uh, and I, I kind of yeah, got the same yeah. thing going. And, and honestly, it's kind of funny you say that because. If you travel around much deer hunting, state to state regulations are a lot different. Yeah. And so like you might have to have this permit over here, but over here you gotta worry about what kind of boots you wear and you know, who knows what. Yeah, and you in know? this state you can tag them when you get to your truck, and in that one you literally cannot move the deer at all. Can't even take a picture with them without the tag on. It's like man Oh, you talk about so here's the thing. Tyler and I trust ourselves or trust each other a whole lot. So I kinda I probably it's gonna come back to bite me. All right. But I I've, I've been delving into the practical joking a little bit here lately <laughs> and incorporating mm. that into our hunts. So yeah. Tyler went to South Dakota and killed a deer first sit because he just does that. Uh, and so he became bird hunter, upland hunter real quick. Well, they have multiple species <laughs> of upland bird there in, in South Dakota. And, uh, you know, seasons kind of change and but depending on the bird. Well, he kind of was all hot because he'd killed some greater prairie chickens, which is something we don't even see. I ain't never seen one, you know, until we go up there. <laughs> it's, and they're awesome. Mm. They're like the world's biggest quail. They're the same thing, pretty much. You know, they're just cool. Mm. Well, uh, he called me because I was deer hunting that morning, and I was headed headed back in to, to camp afterwards. This and is bad. He, he was like all hype about it, you know, like, dude, I killed a bunch of doves yesterday, and I went <laughs> out, and I, got a, I shot a limit of these prairie chickens. And I was like just kind of just going on with it, you know. And I was like, man, that's awesome. You know, are you going to, because we do, you know, the social media thing or whatever. It's like, And I'd already seen on the story that he posted about it on Instagram. And I said, are you going to, but I didn't tell him that. I said, are you going to wait, are you going to wait to like post that on the 15th or, or like, what's your plan? And, you know, I didn't come out and say, I'm not sure there's not the yeah. season, you know, yeah. but kind of gave him a little, just like a little taste of like. Hey, and the, and the season, the season had opened on September 15th and I knew that, yeah. but it, when it was, you know, the second of October or whatever. So I was in the season, but I started thinking about, oh, that was a 15th. That was a, that's, oh, that's 10, 15, dude. Oh no. I was like, I post this on the story. I got him pretty oh, good. Oh, he had me for a second, man. And then I was like, I mean, I couldn't even speak, dude. I was like, oh, cause I'm the same way, dude. Like you can't just, you can't just, you can't do something wrong, man. I mean, there's how many people out there even listening to this podcast right now, you know, have, have uh, cheated the limits a little bit or done something Dude, over the years. Clay's you know? already trying to get us on a, the game board podcast. He, he was, I made thing. a joke about shooting a bear thing. It yep. was a hog, and all of a sudden Clay goes into federal agent mode <laughs> on me, you know. Like, <laughs> uh, well, I may be working for Brent. 
Or yeah, my, you there you go. That's you it. Know. There you go, man. You know, R.T. Stewart. I mean, this is like legendary Bear Grease stuff. We did a series called Secret Agent Man, one of our most listened yeah. to series of all time on a secret agent from Ohio named R.T. Stewart. One of his biggest, I mean, one of his like best moments, best Bear Grease moments was he was deep inside of a walleye poaching sting. Ooh. These guys were fishing walleyes and selling them like big money. Like selling thousands and thousands of pounds of illegal walleyes. Apparently, those people up north are nuts about walleyes. Mm -hmm. And he was at a party with this big time poacher who they were about to nail. And RT moves in to get him to confess to, to more than he ever had. And the guy all of a sudden gets suspicious of RT, maybe for the first time, definitely the first time he'd confronted RT. And he and he says, he says, you got to be a bleepity bleep game warden. I, you, <laughs> I, I bet you're wearing a wire. And, and he just confronts RT publicly. RT stands up, drops his pants to his ankles, takes his shirt off, and yells to show that he's not wearing a wire and accuses the other guy of being a game warden. Oh, double cross. He goes, Ooh. you're the game warden. <laughs> you're the game warden. Take your clothes off. You bet you're wearing a wire. This is like at a public party. He's got his pants to his ankles, no shirt on, but there's one thing I haven't told you. He was wearing a cowboy hat, and his wire was under the cowboy hat. Oh. Bam. You see? You see it? But one of the best things he ever did was accuse the other guy of being a game warden. Out Whataburger. That's a good trick. That's, That's a good trick. Out Whataburger. That's right, man. <laughs> for sure. So yeah. Yeah. was it not suspicious yeah. for this Ohio to be wearing a cowboy hat? <laughs> yeah, I, man, there's a lot of that. Ohio, Southern Ohio is like oh, yeah. it's a weird Appalachia, place. man. Yeah. And yeah, there's a that it's yeah, there is it, is it in 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 inbounds. That, they, there's that little area of the country there that's like Ohio, Kentucky, Indiana. They don't even know where they're from. No, like, they don't. They can't tell you which state they're from because it's like they just yeah. claim it all, you know. <laughs> Basketball Stewart, season, they're from Kentucky, him, you know, like yep. <laughs> football season. Yeah, Ohio. of course. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, speaking so, of. Stewart, you. Speaking of Ohio, oh, go, go ahead, Clay, go uh, you got to hunt with, uh, on that Arkansas hunt, you got to hunt with uh, a guy you know is Spike. Uh, mm hmm. How's that, man? Man, so we're talking about uh we're talking about their cameraman. Um Mike Mike Stroll. Mike uh, yep. Stole Stole. Stole. Yep, name? that's him. That's him. Stole, he's, my he's, bad. I mean, man. I just I just wondered how cuz there's a there's a pretty famous uh cell phone recording of him trying to go up a mud bank uh in the boots. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just wonder how it was yeah. walking around in the woods with him, you know, if he was sliding all over the place. Man, he he impressed me. He impressed me. That's good. You know, uh, when we uh when we hunted together, any cameraman that I ever hunt with, I'm suspicious of. Yep. From the get-go, not suspicious that I I'm just like, "Hey, <laughs> like would you ask him eyes. if he's wearing a wire and make him strip down or what kind of suspicion are you <laughs> no, talking no, about?" No, no, no. I I got I got nothing to hide. I was cool with him recording everything we said. Uh <laughs> I was just like, listen up, buddy. You're not going to mess up my whitetail hunt, okay? Yep. You're going to have to sit there like a, like a, like a dead bird on a branch. <laughs> not move, <laughs> not talk, do your job. <laughs> yeah. No, mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm not a jerk, but I, but I am just like, 
I, I just am, am like, we'll see how this goes. And man, he was killer, dude. He he uh, he could sit longer than me. He could stay warmer than me. He talked less than me. He filmed very well. He was helpful in uh, in the woods, scouting, hunting. I mean, we were just kind of a team. You know, I was asking him what he thought we should be doing. And uh, he was a joy to hunt with. We had he a is. great time. He is, man. He's got uh, he's got two of my video, my my kills on video this year. He does a good job, man. He but, says that you like the yeah. nosebleed section of the woods, <laughs> man. Mr. I do Seven like to get himself. <laughs> you did have I, a big old. I, I didn't stack of sticks. I didn't realize it until I started hunting. Justin Michaud, a cameraman, he said the same thing about me. Um. I just feel like the higher you are, the better chance you're going to get away with uh, with scent problems and just them seeing. Oh, Clay you know? Newcomb, the scent control master over here, right? Well, that's right. That's yeah. right. Don't don't get me started. Don't get me started. <laughs> um, hey, I was listening to a podcast, and your dad is all about it. Well, see, okay, well, that's – you don't know the whole story. I mean, the reason I can speak so authoritatively <laughs> – <laughs> on whitetail scent control products is because I was there at the start, brother. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, in the mid-90s when they first started coming out with Scent Shield and Scent Lock and all that stuff, I mean, we were right there. And my dad was as serious about it as anybody that ever lived. I mean, I'm serious. Like, the the the, the, the nitpick detail of his scent control regimen is incredible. Mm. And, um, and, and so I, as a kid and as a young adult, I, I did that to hunt with him. Like he wouldn't, he wouldn't hunt with you if you didn't do it. How about I mean, that? he's just like, I literally, he would be like, I will not take you hunting if you, or he wouldn't put me like the way it would work is when I was a kid was he would have good stands that he had scouted. Uh-huh. So, you know, I'd on the weekend go hunt with him and he'd put me on one of his good stands, you know? Mm-hmm. And he's like, I mean, it's like we had to do it. So. When I became an adult, moved away, and really started to learn to bow hunt on my own, I couldn't afford that stuff. I didn't have the time for it. Like, just life was very hectic when I was going to college, had kids, newly married, and I just started hunting the wind. And, you know, basically, that's when I really started killing deer. And, and, uh, and then at two, at least two different times, during my whitetail career, I have gone back to major scent control product use. Okay. Mm-hmm. I won't go into the details of those products, but there came a time, just even a couple of years ago, and I was like, okay, I'm going to give this a go again. I, mean, I was getting smelled uh, or, or hunting risky spots and getting smelled, mm-hmm. and I uh, didn't like it. And I was like, maybe, maybe technology's changed. Maybe things are different. And basically, it's anything that someone observes in the woods is always going to have some level of anecdotal evidence. Like there's some level of you could have done it different, you could have done it better, maybe it was just a freak circumstance. But basically, deer would smell me just the same when I was using all those products yeah. as they did when I didn't. So I was just like, well, I'm, I'm cutting out that section of my hunting because of how much energy it takes and I'm devoting energy to the actual limiting factors of my hunting. Mm-hmm. So we've gotten uh, to the same anyway. place. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> we we're there, man. Like 
and when you travel as much, that's that's when it really gets tough because you don't have dryers and washers and all the stuff always. And, you know, it's just you got to put gas in your truck because you're out of, you know, you've been 400 miles. You've and been in a boat. And whether your bladder's big smoke. or not, you know, yeah, I mean, it's it. you, you got to get some gas, <laughs> yeah. you know. Now, I got a question yeah. for you on that front, though. But you, you, you do something we don't, and that's that bear hunting. Um, and you're in close a lot of the times on that deal. Uh, but a right. bear's psyche is different than a whitetail, right? Like they just right. approach right. the world differently, and their nose is just like you. You can probably go on about this more than I can, but their nose is like their window into the world. So, right? Do you approach that any differently with bears than you do deer? Well, it's the it's the exact same. I mean, it, because it actually amplifies the fact that you can't hide from them. Yeah, mm-hmm. like it. It to me, what people say about scent control products is that. Maybe it helps a little, and I don't think there's such thing as helping a little. Like if a bear smells a little human or a lot of human, he's gonna be, he's going to be alarmed. If a doe deer smells a little human or a lot of human, he's go, she's going to run away. Clay, like now, now when you say that? a little What's human, <laughs> what, what exactly? Because we have this thing where people say all the time, "Oh, I'm a big hunter." And you're like, well, how big? What do they smell? You know, like, how big a boy are you? You know. <laughs> <That's right>. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I walked into one of your uh, one of your inside jokes. Yes. That's what's happened here. That's yeah, exactly yeah. right. Okay. We have a lot of them. Though. Yeah, you didn't know okay. about that. That's one of the things you learned about us too. Is how many inside jokes we have. Oh yeah, that was that was the third thing aside from y'all being really good hunters and moving around a lot. It's a lot of inside jokes that nobody gets but y'all. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, now you're in, you're okay. on the inside, man. That's a good place to be. Well, I am now. Yeah, little human. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> It's pretty funny. I like it. I'm gonna start using that. Uh, yeah. yeah, he smelled no, a little human. Yeah, we could. <laughs> but, but, hey, hey, what did you I always smell a little human. <laughs> <laughs> well, bears bears respond differently to humans sit in different situations. Like if you're baiting them, you are not trying to. I mean, you, they are they are very aware that there's a human involved at this bait site, and so you can get away with human odor with lesser animals to some degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there are times, like this year, my son was hunting bait, and like he said, Dad, the wind was blowing directly to these bears, and they just didn't care, and they would come in. Um, but those also weren't big, older, mature males. Mm-hmm. Big, older, mature males are just like, it's so it's so amazing that all the species, the big, older, mature males just operate in a different level mm-hmm. of consciousness of the world. And black bears are just like big, white-tailed bucks. They're just on a different life schedule and routine. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and But very rarely, very rarely, even on a bait site, would a big adult male smell a, like no human is there and them just barge in. But a mm-hmm. younger bear might. You're out in the woods, you're out in the big country, not in a bait situation. Any bear on planet Earth, you know, 95% of the time smells a human, they're going to run like a like a scalded dog, you know. Yeah. Is there uh, a is there a uh like there's a pretty I guess at least uh vocal subset of white-tailed deer hunters that uh don't like the bait thing, you know? Is there is that mm-hmm. I feel like that I may be wrong because I'm pretty on the outside here, but does I feel like it doesn't exist as much in the bear world. Is that right? 
What do you mean? Like, like, uh, like there's people... not like baiting isn't as taboo in the bear world as it is in the deer world. Sometimes it seems like. Oh, I don't know. I think it probably is. I is think it? there's plenty of people that wouldn't uh, like bear hunting over bait, or, or just. Uh, but you know, we've we've been talking about it for over a decade. Is that man bear hunting over bait? It's just it's a management tool mm-hmm. that we use in places that we that we that we need it and it's an incredible way to be selective and manage bears and hunt and it's just like anything if you're if you're trying to get an older age male it's extremely difficult i mean i i you'd you'd be better off you'd be it'd be easier for you to kill a big buck in this state than it would be to intentionally kill a big bear i mean if you were like clay you got to kill a big buck or a 450 pound black bear this year you've got to or we're going to take your house what are you going to do? I'd be like, dude, I'll take the 140. I mean, it's hard. Even with bait. Oh, you, you call know, 140 big? I didn't realize that. No, <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, I, I call 140 real big. Uh, oh, man. Uh, um, hey, let me, uh, let, me, uh, let me switch topics a little bit. Slightly, slightly. There's two things I want to talk to you about. I want to talk to you about outdoor media because it's rare that I have another person in media on the Bear Grease Render. And, but also want to talk to you about the deer stories thing a little bit. Yeah. Um, the, I feel like I don't like being in outdoor media. Well, when um, you said that, I kind of cringed, you know, like I'm, I'm right there let, with you. Yeah. Let me explain. Yeah, people people look at us like guys like you guys that are full time employed inside of production of everything that involves the element, which is a which is a hunting show podcast group. You know, people look at me and they 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 think I'm a hunting professional. I I don't I don't like that, but that's that's just the truth. Um, there's also been a pretty big stir in the pot of late about this idea that hunting media and hunting influencers is really negative for conservation and hunting have you, are y'all aware of that yeah y'all know that's going on that, yeah i mean I, I don't i don't know to how in tune i am with that and i don't know how much to what degree the percentage of the population feels that but there is yeah. there is a that is chatter that is out there for sure what do you, what do y'all think? I mean, like, how do you, how do you? I guess in a sense, we're we are all trying to. Our all of our goal is towards a limited resource, which would be hunting land, access, bigger bucks, white-tailed deer, whatever. And you know, we are we're promoting hunting, and and. But also, you know, the big thing that that people are saying is that we've commodi- we we've made hunting, uh, com- what's what's the word I'm trying to say? A commodity, commodified. Yeah, yeah, commodity. It's, it's we have commodified hunting in that we are selling products as a result of our hunting, and that we're recruiting new hunters basically to buy a new product. Like that's what people say. Well, what do you guys think of that? I mean, I feel like. Uh since you know beginning of time uh people have had commerce um 
I mean, whether you work at a hardware store or a dairy plant or whatever, you're essentially making an end product sale, right? I mean, I don't know. Right. There's probably not a whole lot of, if any, jobs, and I'm sure somebody will correct me, but like, I, I can't think of any off the top of my head that don't end in some sort of sale, right? So, I mean, that's how the world works. Uh, it's either barter or sale and uh, to either acquire something or get rid of something. Um, so, I mean, it's not, uh, it is a very complicated question, like a very big, broad, general question too. So, uh, I'll try not to be too verbose, but like I, I've wanted to do, I've wanted to hunt or fish for a living since I was tiny, man. Like I wanted to be a fishing guide for a while. Well, what does a fishing guide do? Well, he sells fishing trips, you know, and, and probably sells, uh, you know, G Loomis rods or whatever too, along the way when, you know, they give him free rods and, uh, the, he, his clients fish with them all day or whatever. So, I mean, right. there's just, I mean, I could do that or, um, I have a, a pretty good degree. I could have gone to Dallas and worked for a company that, you know, um, sells wealthy people, financial advising plans or whatever, you know, like whatever it might've been, but, um, I mean, you got to do something, and I, I I feel extremely blessed to just be able to uh, to hunt so much. I can't. I can actually. I can remember uh, one of the first days after uh, we started working for Meat Eater, and I, me and KC were walking around, and the guys were with us, and we're walking around in the woods uh, trying to shoot a pig, spot and stalk down in just our home, you know, woods, just in the river bottoms, and I like it was like Tuesday, and I told KC, I was like, I can't believe it's kind of the first time I've been striving to do something as an entrepreneur for a long time and been, we live very poor for a long time. Um, and I can't believe I'm walking around in the woods right now, hunting pigs and like, that's kind of my job. You know, it's like, it's, it, it doesn't even, it's never felt like I could tell somebody honestly, like that's what I do for a living. And all of a sudden it changed, you know what I mean? And I, and mm -hmm. I could say, if somebody asked me, well, what are y'all doing today? Well, we're going to go hunt pigs. And it's like, and that's what I'm supposed to do. That's like how I work, you know? And I couldn't believe it, man. I, like I said, I don't feel, I mean, I've, I've certainly worked hard, but a lot of, a lot of fellers out there work hard, man. You know, I, I feel extremely blessed to be able to do what I'm doing. Um, and as far as the media side of things go, man, um, it's a tough line and we are constantly of, like changing and figuring out how to do it to the best of our ability where you do things that people are interested in, people want to see, but you also try to show a positive light into the hunting world, but you also uh, want to show a realistic light, right? I mean, not every deer dies quickly, man, you know, and we all know that, but people that are new hunters or anti-hunters don't know that sometimes. And what they also don't think about maybe is that in nature, those deer don't die quick either. You know, like whether we're hunting them or not. So it's just a, it's a, it's a hard thing to, to contemplate and to understand. I think that's kind of my two cents. I yeah. Guess, there's like a right way and wrong way of doing it just with about near anything you're going to do, you know? And, and I think that first off, if you're going to set out to do something, you should have the best intentions, uh, in what you do and, and just to, uh, if you don't mind me speaking freely on your podcast, you know, Tyler and I our um, desire is to glorify God with what we do. 
and not everybody believes that, and that's fine. Uh, but like, so through our desire with doing that, we're going to do our best. We're going to fail because we're humans, and that's like the human condition, right? Medium-sized humans, not medium, little humans, not little or big, not no, little yeah. human, not a big human. You know, um, <laughs> medium-sized, the, the medium humans yeah. here. Um, but uh, you know, so like, if you set out with that intention, uh, I think that at least through most people, besides the ones that are just out to get you, it's perceived as genuine. And, and that's what I try to, to do and stuff, you know. And and I also am a free market capitalist, so I feel like <laughs> this stuff is not going to – like if we are making hunting videos – That's exactly right. I don't know what you're And it's going to – and it still perpetuates, you know, then it's good. If it it ain't – and if it doesn't, it's going to cease to exist. And I don't want the government or any entity telling us we can or can't do none of this stuff uh, just because, it, you know, it bothers somebody's feelings. You know, honestly, like, if we do our job and portray this stuff in the right way, it's going to produce two things. It's going to produce more people who are in support of hunting, and it's going to produce a higher demand for hunting access and opportunities. And if your government didn't hate you, then you would have – they would see that you want more opportunity. So, you know, like the people who are yelling about the fact that we're shining light on maybe public lands and public lands are too busy. And it's like, well, don't get mad at us. Tell, tell the powers that be to open up more ground. You know, like that's, yeah. the, that's the result we should strive for. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's a little too soapboxy. Sorry about that, but I, I get fired up. No, man. no, I mean, that's, that's what I wanted to hear because, you know, I think I think it's a, a a point of introspection that anybody that's involved in social media, out outdoor media in any way, we have to evaluate why we're doing what we're doing. Yeah, because I think it's important. Motivations are are very important. Motivations are more important in in many ways than than anything. It's mm-hmm. like why we're doing what we're doing. And so, as I've heard some of this stuff from you know from different groups and different people, just about it's kind of like uh, just saying the things you've you've said there that that social media influencers are drawing all this attention to hunting in public land and artificially recruiting new people that's overcrowding and all this stuff. And uh, yeah, man, I mean, I could I could go on and on, but but I, I think it's good to hear stuff like that and consider. Just like okay, are they right? Like, do they have rational arguments that make yeah. sense? Yeah. And uh, or do you know questioning? Do they? And most of what I've heard t- to me really doesn't add up. It's like, man, if we just don't talk about our hunting and hide, we we have lost pace with the with the age, mm-hmm. and and we will our we will die off and fade away as the the trend of modern bias and modern ideas just overtakes and Mm -hmm. and it's like we've we've everything every every single industry every single one from bicycling to four-wheeling to to tennis and golf and knitting and everything has media and that media has influencers people that are at the forefront of that industry and all those people are are fueled by the the financial side of that business, and so mm-hmm. it's kind of like don't hate the player, hate the game. Yeah, kind of like Casey's capitalism. It's like 
this is just the way this works. Yeah. And and I like what you said about us putting demand on the system for more access. Now, you know, th- there's all kind of th- – there's no right answer to anything. I mean, inevitably, popularity in hunting has caused uh, land to be leased that was never leased before. It's causing excess recreational land prices mm-hmm. and all this stuff. And it's like – if we hadn't talked about hunting, do you think that would be any different? And anyway, I, I just probably think it's, not. But you know, man, like the sister of pride is envy, and that's mm-hmm. the thing that gets a lot of people. And a lot of times, these these you know squeaky wheels are envious of whatever things may be. You know, we can. I'll just allude to yeah. things. But there's a great story, the greatest story that was ever told. Right? There was uh, a creator, and then there was an impersonator, and that impersonator still works hard every day. And is just furious that it cannot be the supreme being, right? So, like, mm-hmm. that you run into that, and it's played out again and again and again in so many facets where a lot of the times, I'm not saying all the time, because like you said, there are some rational arguments to be made about this stuff, that uh, mo- the person who is whining about stuff is envious of the other position that the other people are in. And they're mad that they can't do that. And they want it their way, and it doesn't work. Well, I can say this too. I've been there, man. You know, like, and I, I've been. Mm-hmm. Uh, we all know, man, that uh, of the three of us, I'm the worst. You know, so uh, <laughs> yeah, we're over here, man. Uh, I wouldn't be insane. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Uh, I'm just, you know, I've been there, man, and 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 we're, you know, we're we also the three of us believe we shouldn't be grumbling and complaining about stuff, but we do it at times, you yep. know, and uh, and I think that hopefully. If there's a message that could come through this too from me, that's just that everybody could have a little more grace with each other because, yeah, man. Um, I mean, just you know, there's this. Think about this, man. When you were, when I was 18, I thought it'd be so cool to be, you know, on TV hunting, right? Watching some monster bucks, you know, being like, man, what if I could go do that? You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. sit in a tree stand on the edge of a you know, field, uh, wheat, wheat field with corn on the edge of it or whatever, and just shoot a big old monster. Like, that's what you thought was cool. And I think, man, you got to look at some of these, you know, what Clay, you're saying is an influencer. And sometimes they're 20 year olds, man. And, and I'm, you know, in my mid thirties and there's guys like Steve that are older than that. And there's guys that are in their seventies that are still on TV, you know, and doing things. And, and I think that, as a guy who's probably on the younger end of the spectrum, but one that's not a 20-year-old, I can say, like, you know, my priorities have changed. What I want out of this has changed a lot since I was 20 what, or even since I was maybe, you know, 29 or 30. And so I think just to have some grace with those people to understand, hey, you know, they got a chance to grow up, give them some grace and let them, you know, let them pan out and see if maybe they're not so – dumb when they hit their 30s you know what i mean yeah. so uh and then i'm sure mm-hmm. steve's saying the same thing about me you know or whatever but um <laughs> it just that's the thing man it's just everybody gotta gotta understand man we all have uh some bad tendencies and, and and not everybody's trying to you know be bad a lot of them are a lot of people are yeah. trying to be a little bit better as they go and they grow you know mm-hmm. so and here's i'm going to take this yeah. a different direction just to kind of you know, maybe appease those um, who got a little outlaw in them, you know, like a lot of us do. Um, 
there comes a point. Just note that I'm recording this whole thing. That's right. I hope you do because it needs to be known. Y'all come come and take it, as we say. Um, Here's the deal, man. Is I love what we do enough. Not not the media side of it, but the hunting side of it. And we're talking about how media affects hunting, right? I never want to sabotage what we're doing. I want it to be something that perpetuates until it can't no more. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I want my kids, my grandkids, all all that to be able to go out and enjoy the outdoors the way that we do. And at some point in time, there there may be, and there could be, there are people out there currently that would have that taken away, not because we're making videos, not because... Um, you know, they, they just don't understand our way of life, but just because they don't like the fact that we kill animals. And if that ever grows, and that's going to happen whether or not uh, we make videos about it, right? There will come a, mm-hmm. there, there could come a time, and I am willing to do it, to bec- I would become a so-called poacher if need be. Let's go, you know, dude. I want to be on Clay's podcast as much as possible, but hear me out, all right? Not in the sense of the word that we understand it, but the only difference right. in poaching and hunting is a law. It may be like a sense of morality and one's own personal ethics, right? But it, it, just stick with me for a second. Like, suddenly, if they made it illegal to hunt whitetail deer where I live, it, like, exclusively, you just cannot hunt them. I don't know if I would be a law-abiding citizen. You, you get what I'm saying? Right. So, yeah. like, I, yeah. I, I care about it that much, and but I'm going to do everything I can to not ever see that become a reality. Clay, I hope you don't get too many messages. <laughs> I love to say controversial things, and it's well, not because no, I, make, I, I, it's not I, think, because I, I desire think, controversy. It's just who I am. Well, I, and, and I think what you're saying there is something that a lot of people have probably thought about. Yeah. It's like, where does where does this thing and we're a long thank thank goodness that we're a long ways yes, from that. That's and, right. And, and and if we and I and I feel like if we do our job and and really I, I feel like we're a part of a, a of a revolution that has <laughs> let's go. Uh, where are we going with this? Culminating <laughs> really a, a, a revolution in in the ideology and communication around hunting that that we are we've just got so much rational common sense goodness and civil wonderful things that happen and services that are provided to the world by hunting and through the dollars of hunters that it's just it's just hard to even argue that this is not a very positive thing for our society and our country mm-hmm. you know i mean it's it's like uh, so that's that's our trajectory, you know. But we also have to, like any rational person assessing the situation, would say what could happen, you know, a generation from now or twenty years from now, or 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 you know, what if this happened? What if that happened? And yeah. I mean, I think it's where it, what you're saying is that there comes a point when this violates almost like civil liberty. Exactly. Yeah, to there's an infamous to say quote that you can't do this. There's yeah. an infamous quote that says that there comes a point in time where reasonable men are driven to do unreasonable things, right? And it, I don't desire that by any means. So let me make yeah. that clear. Yeah, and, and you clearly know. you're not saying you know bl- break reasonable game laws that have been set. That's by, right. by agencies that are for us, not against us. Which is, I mean, I believe exclusively true 
across the board 99% of the time. It, you know, and, and I think that's the way we've got to believe is that you know the agencies that are running our game departments in each state ultimately have the resource in mind and our traditions in mind and 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 you know there's that could be scrutinized in, in small cases I'm sure but, but I mean back to the the media thing you know if it is if it is creating more hunters and and that kind of thing I mean that's what you want, right? You want numbers of people saying, "Hey, you don't need to take this away." Yeah, you know? it goes back to the whole like, "Hey, give more access." If 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 you have more hunters, yeah. you yeah. should be generating more dollars. Speak with your dollars. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, and and I think if if, if hunting means as much, if hunting really means as much to us as we say that it does, then it's been valuable inside of our life. Us wanting to to share that with the world makes a lot of sense too mm-hmm. and 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 as places you know it's possible you could go to your public land spot and there'd be more people than there were five years ago there that's possible yeah um and, and you hear about that a lot but i also hear from a lot of people that are like man i hadn't seen anybody where i hunt in years mm-hmm. i mean i do not 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 all over the country i mean it just matters who you talk to and sometimes the squeaky wheel is the one that gets the Attention gets the drama. Um, there's a lot of great. There's a lot of great hunting left, and and in in a lot of places. And anyway, I I, I think the more people we have, the better. I yeah. really do, man. Well, it, it, there's like hey, this, I just wanted to ask you guys about that. Yeah, sorry. You're like, hey guys, we're talking about this too much. <laughs> but there there is a generality of like, hey, if you don't like a certain situation, then work harder to improve your personal situation. You know, and you can go down to just the basis of, like, public land hunting, right? Like, whenever I see, like, if I encounter people on public ground, I'm, like, not mad at them. I'm mad at myself because I'm, like, well, I'm not smart enough. I I haven't learned enough lessons to say, hey, there is going to be a dude there. You know, I need to go deeper. I need to be smarter. I need to be more cunning in in my methods, you know. So it's, like, you just got to, you know realize that when you're pointing a finger you got a couple pointing back you know like you gotta you gotta just work on yourself because that's the thing you have the most control of ready to win mother's day and cement your reputation as the best gift giver in the family give the moms in your life an aura digital picture frame preloaded with decades of family photos she'll love looking back on these memories and seeing what you're up to today Even better, with unlimited storage and an easy-to-use app, you can keep updating Mom's Frame with new photos, so it's the gift that keeps on giving. And this is not a joke. Juju Nukem has an Aura Frame, and we share photos, and they're incredible. Also, my mother-in-law has one. We have them. They truly are really good, really high quality. The Aura Frame is easy to set up. It takes just two minutes to set up a frame using the Aura app. It also adjusts the display depending on light levels in the room to maintain the true color of your photos. For real, the digital screen is amazing. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame when you use code BEAR, B-E-A-R, BEAR. That's AuraFrames.com. Use code BEAR at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Montana Knife Company was founded by Josh Smith, 
one of the world's most experienced master bladesmiths. He's been making knives for 30 years. Made in the USA and manufactured locally in Montana. The knives come with a multi-generational warranty and free sharpening. Designed, tested, and built by hunters, MKC is a hunting knife company first and foremost. They have the sharpest knives out of the box and the easiest knives to sharpen. And that is the dadgum truth. You better be careful with them when you get them. They are sharp. MKC is a fast-growing company. They just hired their 55th employee and are looking to hire about 50 more in the next year or so. I've carried a lot of these Montana knives, and the one that I like the most is their Speed Goat, which is a lightweight hunting knife, just the right size. MKC knives sell out within minutes of being released. So head over to MontanaKnifeCompany.com. They have new knives for sale every Thursday at 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. So check their website and sign up for their text and email alerts. That is the best way to find out when they have knives available. Use code BEARGREASE10 for 10% off your first order. Montana Knife Company, working knives for working people. The old timers say that the turkeys start gobbling when the leaves are as big as squirrel's ears and the red buds start popping. And we're about there. And we are there in the south. The Onyx Hunt app is one of my most valuable tools in the spring woods. With tools like coniferous versus deciduous tree distribution layer, you can save time by locating edges or transition areas of mixing habitats from home. Find an area like this with water in close proximity, and more than likely, there will be a goblin turkey nearby. Knowing the exact boundaries of private ground ensures I stay on the right side of the fence, but can easily find public ground to go see if I can't strike a gobbler. If you do get one to sound off, using compass mode and waypoints will help you pinpoint his exact location, allowing you to move in and make the perfect setup to bring him right into your lap. Download the Onyx Hunt app today. You'll be glad you did. Onyx has a special offer for you. Use code BEARGREASE to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com slash hunt this spring. Yeah, man. Well, on this on this latest Deer Stories episode, well, actually on, on both. So we're right in the middle of a series on Deer Stories, which is one of my favorite series we do every year on Bear Grease. And I go around and collect stories from guys, and it's a lot of fun because it's kind of like homecoming in some way. I mean, I, I'm going and visiting all these people that I know, and uh, most of the stories I collect in person, some of them, some of them I don't, but uh, we've had, I made it a point this year to include several dog hunting stories, which is a very small subset of whitetail hunters. So this is kind of like but, little hunters. Can you, when you say dog hunting, <laughs> are you talking about something that is publicly publicly perceived uh, positively or negatively here, Clay? Well, well I, I'm not following the joke, Casey. What I'm saying you say? you're not saying uh, that a person goes into the woods in pursuit of a canine, right? You're talking about. <laughs> Something they're where using they're using dogs dog. to chase deer. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Is that still legal in Arkansas? Yeah, it is. It's it's legal in uh, multiple states. Yeah. But actually, very it, a very small percentage of hunting land in the U.S. is it legal to pursue whitetail deer with the use of hounds, mm -hmm. with the use of dogs, and where I grew up. It to this day, it's still legal to run hounds, and and I didn't know there was any place that it wasn't. 
you know, until I became an adult and I was like, oh, wow, this is actually <laughs> really unique and special. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the, the, oh, it's a, it's a fascinating group of people that are dog hunters. And they, I would, I would, I would say they have received an incredibly small amount of publicity in all of the reporting on whitetail hunting ever. I mean, mm-hmm. really, it's just like, Go show me a sink, you know, a mainstream video of a deer hunt with dogs. I don't think I've ever seen it. You know, I never saw, you know, any of the big names deer hunting with dogs and all this. And and there's reasons for that. But these guys, when you meet them and talk to them, and and you really understand the way they think about things, they're as serious about whitetails as you guys are. Mm-hmm. I mean, th- they are. I mean, n- n- without question, their energy is just placed in a different way mm-hmm. inside of hunting. And uh, and so on this last series, well, in this series, I've had multiple dog stories. And you know what? It's I love I love this so much. I want to just like make t-shirts about it and tell everybody. But, you know, the dog hunters look at still hunters and think that sometimes think they aren't sportsmanlike. They're yeah. like, it's not sportsmanlike to just sneak up on one and thump it in the head. Well, yeah, we know? usually honk the horn or something <laughs> to give them a warning when we go out, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like Kevin Murphy, like Steve Rinella's buddy, my buddy Kevin Murphy, who when he squirrel hunts, he blows his horn yep, uh, yep. before he turns the dogs loose just to warn the wildlife, here we come. Yep. Yeah, let him no, know No, I mean, uh, Stoney, Edwards, Stoney Edwards had a little part in his last story. And, man, it, it was my fault that it wasn't included it was a it was actually a editing error it happens at bear grease occasionally it was my fault i had about a two-minute segment in there where he was talking about the way he views sportsmanship and and hunting with dogs and and he was like man this is the most primitive way on earth to hunt a deer and he said this is uh it's really difficult he's like if we want to just kill a bunch of deer we wouldn't be using dogs and uh (laughs) but those guys oh without a doubt I mean, he said we'd go sit in tree stands if we wanted to kill a bunch of deer, you know. Yeah. Um, and uh, but they, you know, they they love their dogs. They understand deer. Holy cow! You want to learn something about deer and where they go and where they travel? Put a deer. Put put some dogs behind them. Does well, that descend from like the you know the English fox trials and stuff like that? You know, the, the, if I'm yeah, you you know a lot well, more about I mean, this than yeah, me. Yeah, I mean, so, the, like those the, guys, most all, of the hound. Go ahead. Yeah, um, most of the hound traditions in the U.S. you could trace them back pretty easily back to our European traditions. You know, I mean, um, they they ran red stag and wild boar. They ran everything with hounds over there. I mean, mm-hmm. back in those days, hunting meant you had hounds, and so a lot of these families, whether they be bear hunters or deer dog guys, have deep deep roots that go probably without skipping a generation, some of them, all the way back to to those roots across in Europe. I mean, no doubt. And uh and uh and that love of hounds and pursuit is still there. And, and I love it. And and I, I mean I'm not a big I, I don't own deer dogs. Um I've killed a few deer in front of dogs. But it's like not something I personally am going to go do all the time. But I'm passionate about telling those guys' story and letting them tell their story. But with the point of it being, because on this last episode, I, there was a dog story by Stoney Edwards. And then the very last story, which to me was the most 
I really enjoyed it was from a man that has been a heavy influence on my in my hunting, a man named David Albright, who he tells a story about killing a about a hundred and fifty five inch deer on public land with a traditional bow he made himself, mm-hmm. and um, and that's like normal for him. Like he's been making his own bows and hunting on public land for most well for the last 35 years or so or 40 years and um but i told these two stories side by side deer hunting with dogs and then a traditional bowyer who's hunting out of tree stands making his own bows hunting deer just on public land and and i said in the spectrum of deer hunting these two guys couldn't be further opposite each other they really couldn't i mean could you think of a more extreme two ways to hunt whitetails i mean because hunting with traditional primitive equipment is like the most primitive self-imposed limitation method of hunting whitetail deer possible i mean perhaps an atlatl where it's legal i think mm-hmm. in missouri you can use an atlatl like that would be more primitive uh, and then on the other extreme um i mean i i would argue that hunting with dogs is extremely primitive but it would be using a whole different set of metrics to kill a deer. Yeah, right. And 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 at my point was, these guys are, you might say they're on opposites and they're not alike, but I said, these guys are like fraternal twins. <laughs> these guys are way more alike than they are different. Hmm. Like if you just, if you just canvassed planet Earth and all the diverse things that people do with their life, it's like some people are golfers. Some people watch television. That's all they do. Some people are insurance agents and enjoy, uh, you know, going on the lake and skiing. Uh, like of all the diverse interests, David Albright and Stony Edwards are almost they are they are twins, mm-hmm. fraternal twins. Like they have way more in common than they have differences. Even though if you got them, you know, they they might be uh, seem like they were different. It, the whole point of it was. There's power in us sticking together. Sure, that's a like, man, it's real, a good real thing. power. Real, yeah, yeah. It's a, I mean, that's the thing. Functional. Man. We gotta we gotta understand that uh, you know, there, instead of looking for the differences, and like I said, I'll, I'll say it about myself as much as anybody, but a lot of people, including me at times, like to look for things that are negative or complain about things, right? Uh, Casey and I call it the the farmer and the coyote complex, <laughs> where the farmer, mm. if he ever if he ever actually kills that coyote, he doesn't have anything to complain about anymore. So he doesn't go get to go to the cafe and talk. He doesn't really have a whole lot to say. So he always misses the coyote on kind of on purpose. You know, <laughs> oh, what I mean? couldn't my gun went misfire. <laughs> yeah, you yeah, know, oh, I couldn't get my gun out yeah. of my truck quick enough. You know, or whatever. And and uh, I think that's what generally. Uh, you know, humanity likes to complain a little bit. You, if you were to listen to any popular song, I bet you eighty percent of them are complaining songs. You know, especially in country. And uh, <laughs> anyway, I, I think that we should uh, we should definitely just be emphatic about your statement there that uh, maybe we're more alike with each other sometimes than we think, and we should try to emphasize the the things that we like about people and focus on those things when we talk about people rather than talk about their negatives. And again, yeah. I am I I'm in that uh discussion a lot, so it's something I'm learning to do better for sure. Yeah. 
And I think that as real, it's, it's easy to talk about something like this, but to me where the rubber hits the road and it functionalizes, it's easy for me, for us three to sit here and like be on our high horse talking about, mm-hmm. uh, in, you know, unification of the hunting community. Mm-hmm. It's another thing when I go out and this recorder isn't working and I'm talking to my sons and I'm talking to just other people in camps. And it's like, I, I have to have that attitude all the time. And that means when I'm out bow hunting on public land over here and a pack of deer dogs runs by me and messes up my hunt, I have to just be like, Hey man, they got me this time, but you know, next time I bet they won't. And, and you know, those mm-hmm. guys had a good time because of that. I mean, I have to actually have ideology that, that reflects what I'm saying, I mean, you know, yeah, it, sure. it, the actions there is show some give believe. and take. Yeah, yeah. It's there's give and take. Yeah. Tyler's point about grace too. You know, it's like, hey, those guys didn't have malintent to mess up your hunt. So you know, like, yep. yeah, it's 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 cool to be frustrated or whatever, you know. But like, you shouldn't just want to just you know bring them harm into what they're you know? doing. Yeah. You know, I, I talked on the podcast about traditional use practices mm-hmm. and I, I really have a strong belief in inside of hunting inside of a general conservation plan that is beneficial for the resource, but including traditional use practices as a major, a major thing in making laws. I mean, it's like, I, I think it would be a massive crime if in, 30 years from now you couldn't run deer with dogs in the united states yeah and now, it's not because you... i love to do it it's 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 it's, it's a philosophical position yeah mm. let me ask you a question about is, that so yeah i come from a traditional use practice a culture of uh hog dogging so it's different than running hog than deer with dogs right. but you know you, you're familiar with it. it's baying hogs with sure. dogs and i grew up doing it a lot of guys doing it in different ways um, but there's a gruesome nature to some of it, and I would I would definitely this and this kind of ties the media thing together with with what you're talking about with the with you know deer dogs and stuff like uh, I would I for sure would say that there are things that happen when you're running hogs with dogs that doesn't need to make the light of day for most individuals, and I would even go so far as to say that there are publications whether they be you know private or or, or commercialized I, I'm not really. I don't want to say what, but just videos have come out that I believe have hurt the image of hog hunting with dogs uh, just because it is not a, um, it ain't for the faint of heart. You know what I mean? Uh, sure. So yeah. like, is there a, is there a, is there a way where, you know, the pub- publicizing hunting deer with dogs has a similar effect? Right, right. That's a good question. And I, I don't think there's a right answer. I think guys might just have opinions. But mm-hmm. I, I was confronted with this big time with the bear bear hound hunting community 10 years ago when I was running Bear Hunting Magazine, and we began to highlight bear hunting with hounds more than it had ever been highlighted nationally. And there mm-hmm. was some group of people that I felt like were upset with us for showing something that had kind of been under the radar, so to speak. And in my philosophy was we have to tell our, let us be the, the storyteller of our lives and our story and our passion 
because if we don't tell the story, somebody else will. Mm-hmm. That is not a license to put anything and everything on television or on YouTube. There, there's there's parts of hunting just like there's parts of life. There's like parts of your life that you don't want to broadcast to the world. Yep. Uh, that are that are private. That are ugly. That. So I mean, I think it just goes back to Dang, you talking harshly about my life here, Clay. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. It it ain't pretty, KC. We all know it. No. They, so yeah, do I think they need to be putting a bunch of bay ups and 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 stuff on the internet? I, I'm a little bit undecided, to be honest with you, because yeah. I think that I think definitely there's some things that 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 shouldn't. But should we completely hide that? I don't think I don't know because the our society there was a time when that would have just been known that that's the way the natural world worked is that mm-hmm. the natural world has a has a component a a a god-given component of brutality inside of it yeah and as we handle that little part of it and and people do have a big problem with humans being involved in anything like that like they can watch a a lion like maul and pull the guts out of a living gazelle and it's like not a problem for them but if they watched a person release a dog that bays a hog which is not nearly as brutal mm-hmm. you know th- they might have problems with it and so you know that's that's a it's a tough one yeah but at yep. the same time what 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 i think we have to say is that what we're doing inside of hunting is highly regulated highly backed by science highly backed by a ethos inside the hunting community in general there's always bad apples there's always guys that are going to break the rules there's always outlaws there's always going to be people in tennis in golf in jet skiing in hunting that are going to make us look bad but in general the hunting community is trying to be as absolutely humane as possible in everything that we do we're trying to make ethical shots we're trying to take down animals quick and clean kills we're we're trying to minimize any amount of suffering for anything always we always do but sometimes that the very nature of what we're doing is is rough, yeah. and I I feel like society just has to be okay with that. Yeah, and needs to 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 trust us inside of that space because yeah. I mean we could get into all the philosophical elements of like you see a Angus beef steak on the counter at the in the in the freezer at the grocery store, and it's like brother that animal lived in a tremendous amount of. <laughs> trauma on its life yeah i mean hey. it was you know it, it, you could talk about all the different things that went into the quality of that animal's life versus the quality of life that a deer that we killed had and i mean i you know we're gonna win that ethical debate that that wild animal had an incredible life mm-hmm. until it was taken by a hunter mm-hmm. and so hiding that brutality that happens at times, very minimal. Mm-hmm. Of all the animal kills that I've witnessed in my life, a very, a small percentage of them have been like that. that and that's just the truth. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's not the norm. Mm-hmm. And uh, but I do think a guy's got to have good judgment, and it helps as we continue to broadcast to the world. Hey, we need to be savvy about this. We yeah. need I'm to be. We, we need to be savvy. I'm still working on this theory, but I've got this theory that ground meat is going to be the downfall of the Western world because Ooh, it's really? the it's the first transition from the natural state of things that you would eat into something that does not resemble what it came from. 
You get what I'm saying? <laughs> like, like it, okay, okay, yeah. Yeah, so like. A little bit, a little bit. I grind a lot of deer meat too. Don't get me wrong. I love it. But like, uh, I'm going to tell my wife just a little bit. She doesn't really like to bite into a hunk of steak. She likes ground meat. She doesn't like bones, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. I, I love her to death, you know, and we have two different upbringings. Oh, you still I, love her even though that? Yeah. Okay, <laughs> okay, so you're, you're a real man. saint. Yeah, well, you know, like, um, <laughs> we have to actually appreciate the differences of us and our wives, because we don't want, I don't want to actually be married to Tyler. People just <laughs> think we are close, you know what I mean? Hairy-legged boys weird me out, right? So, like... Uh, I appreciate her, some of her, you know, dainty nature, right? And, and but at the same time, there's this this thing of like, you know, everybody likes to criticize tofu or, or vegan diets or whatever, and it's like, hey, you know, like this all kind of started back when the first person was like, you know what? Let me take this meat and chop it up real small and make it into something that doesn't look like what it was in the field, you know. You know, so mm. I, this is just still this is still in development, but I, I kind of feel like. Uh, the burger patty or the chicken nugget is kind of like that first thing that removes people from the the idea that you know they don't they're not actually taking muscular tissue and breaking it down. It's already done for them, mm-hmm. so it, it's kind of like it's mm. not as real as the original steak. Are you are you are you grind shaming people? No, like I said, I, I'm right shame? there. With, but I think that maybe people should have to grind their own meat. <laughs> well, they do when they chew up a steak. Well, that's true, but the, yeah. I'm saying those people aren't the people who are consuming the ground aren't aren't you know doing that. Uh, I hear you. No, here's I like my, it. I like here's it. my here's my uh, full circle moment right here. We're going back to uh, kind of the the I don't know at the genesis of this thing. You started to kind of ask us about how the meat eater thing was going, and I think that if there's one huge benefit to working for meat eater, um. There's there's a couple, but this is this is one of the one of major benefits is that um, the balance that you play within your mind at all times as a guy who's creating hunting media is like, uh, where is that line? What's the line that I shouldn't show? You know what I mean? Um, so for instance, uh, with us, you know, early on, uh. We thought, well, we're just going to put out pretty much everything, and we're going to be completely transparent and honest with with uh, everything that we video. And then you put out a couple of videos where a deer dies slow, or uh, you may not even recover one that you hit, but you got good footage of it because we're bow hunting and we're twenty yards from these things, you know, and and or thirty or whatever. And you end up uh, getting a lot of hate all of a sudden, you know. And then you're like questioning, well, is that the right move? Did I do that right? Should we do it different next time if that happens? You know, if we, if we don't get a good clean kill on a deer, should we not show it? And then you start going, well, if we don't, uh, you know, the, the income stream that we have at the time starts to fade, uh, if we can't get out, you know, a video that month or whatever, you know, just, I'm just throwing a lot this, some of this is hypothetical, but it is things that we've dealt with here and there. Mm-hmm. And you go through these, these things in your mind. Right. And at the end of the day, you're like, man, uh, my kids, you know, I can't even, uh, afford to take them out to dinner at all this month, you know, and, and celebrate a birthday the way I want to or whatever. And you kind of just got all these, it's a bunch of different variables that go on. And I would just say that, uh, with the meat eater, uh, uh, opportunity that we have it helps a lot for us to be able to go okay what is the most tasteful thing that we should do what is the most what is the best thing for hunting that we can put out and if we end up you know having something happen that doesn't go the way you want it to 
um, which occasionally does go that way. If we're all honest about it, um, you're able to just say, you know what, let's just, let's just not show that because that deer had a huge hole in it or whatever, you know, like it may have died quick, but it maybe it's really gruesome, you know, or whatever. So you just, I don't know. And we're always constantly balancing that thing. We're trying to learn, we're putting out stuff that maybe, maybe we shouldn't have. And, and then we can kind of rescind that in the future when something like that similar happens. So I guess what what, it's, what I'm saying is, uh, you know, a lot of these people that are putting out things that are pretty distasteful to most people, they probably, a lot of them are just trying to survive their brand, make their brand survive and, and hopes that, yeah. you know, they'll be able to, to well, make a dollar. And it's, and it's all, there's a lot of things to that. So I'm not trying to justify for anybody uh, that's, you know, being yeah. crude or whatever, but I'm just saying yeah. there's a lot of variables in these questions, man. Yeah. Well, and, and that would be probably the, the, the biggest point that this group that would be talking negatively about the influence of social media and hunting television or, or not that television, but hunting related media. I think that would be there maybe a strong point on, on their side is mm-hmm. that sometimes that kind of stuff happens. Yeah, but it uh, does, man. It does, but, um, you know, people get injuries in, in football too, no matter how many regulations they put on it, you know. I mean, the world uh, has problems, you know. Yep. So uh, mm-hmm. we just try to do it to the best of our ability. And, and uh, I, like, I guess at the end of the day, like what I was saying is just that uh, it's nice to, to be able to have the support from Meat Eater to do what we need to do and what's best for the hunting community at all times. Uh, it definitely just, it's a peace of mind as much as anything for us. Yeah, man. Well, you know, I, I think I'm, the older I get, the more I'm confronted with, we will reap the fruit of the decisions that we're making right now. Mm-hmm. There, there will come a time when there will be an evaluation on this generation of hunters' lives, just like there's been massive evaluation done on the market hunters, Daniel Boone and Crockett and all these guys. It's like, man, in the moment, what they did made perfect sense, mm-hmm. and and it's and it's hard to even for them to to fathom that they would have had the foresight to know that what they were doing was ultimately leading to massive destruction. Um, but now it's like so easy. Like you don't even have to, it's not, you don't even have to convince someone. It's like, yeah, market hunting was really bad. Um, and, and we can look back at all the generations and find faults with the way that they did things. And one day, generations will look back at us, and they'll mm-hmm. say, what did the people do that started with, you know, the first hunters that encountered social media and YouTube and a global audience? Mm-hmm. Like, what did they do? Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. And, well, I mean, uh, and where's the line between what you believe and what is culturally acceptable and pandering to that? You know, like, that's a hard line to draw. What do you... You know, because uh, as you know, Clay, not everybody believes like you. You know, and and uh, there's probably especially about scent control. <laughs> <laughs> there's a small segment, you know, or whatever. But uh, <laughs> you, you know, I guess you have to. That's a thing you have to under try to understand better as we go through this. And it's a it's a frontier, right? 
yeah. what we're adding right That's now. That's a great point, too. And here's the other deal, too, is like we're doing the best we can with the information that we have currently, and, and that stuff changes. It's like you were saying with, you know, with Boone and them guys, like market hunting worked then, and you know what? It could have sustained if a ton of other variables went a different direction, too. You know what I mean? Like, the, I get the, the population in the U.S. is higher at the moment, but, like, there was a gazillion buffalo on the landscape, and now there's a gazillion cows. You know, so it's like, um, yeah, that probably doesn't work. The math doesn't work out perfect, but you get what I'm saying is it's like. I think I see what you're saying. It's not that what they did directly led to some bad stuff, but it's the extenuating circumstances that are beyond the control of the certain individual that actually writes history, right? So, like. But if, there has to be a scapegoat. Yeah. In every gotta, story. Yeah, that's right. You, you know got to I mean? blame somebody. Sure. Otherwise, you know, you have to look in the mirror, you know, and, and that's the, <laughs> nobody wants to do that. So, uh, I get older and uglier every day. That's right. Got these gray hairs, man. <laughs> but, you, you know, it's uh, essentially, it's like what you're saying, man. There's a lot of variables, and we just have to do the best that we know to do, and mm-hmm. that just be what we focus on. Yep. Yeah. Well, I, th- I think one of the th- – th- there's all kind of – there's all kind of bright spots inside of where we're at with wildlife in North America. I mean, incredible bright spots. I, w- we talked about how we are in the heyday of whitetail deer hunting, mm-hmm. and that 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 doesn't come from me. I I, I was in a at an event with uh, Kip Adams of the National Deer Association, and uh, I mean, basically that's what he said. I mean, when you look at all the factors and. The amount of deer, the number of big deer, the amount of access that people have. It's like we're in the heyday of whitetail deer hunting. I mean, I'm I'm I I I know like the the bigger deer that I've killed in my life at one time was kind of a big deal, even regionally to me. <laughs> and today it's like golly, I mean hundred and fifty inch deer is just like fairly common. That's what KC said earlier to me. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm telling you, 20, 25 years ago, they were not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, it's we're in the heyday. There, there's a lot of really bright spots inside of hunting. Sure. There's also a lot of very real existential threats to the long-term sustainability of what we do. And I think that's why we just have to work to, to, show, the, to show the best side of hunting, to have intelligent arguments for the reason we do things that we do but also tell the story of the culture of hunting and how this is really a part of who we are as americans is the ability to hunt and and we got to tell this human story and i feel like that's what we're trying to do at bear grease is is tell the human and cultural story of hunting and its significance yeah mm-hmm. aside yeah. from and, and and it's like yeah there, there there's a lot behind this that's powerful and i think that carves a space in in society like someone might be able to listen to some of our stories and understand hunting maybe Mm -hmm. like they never have before like they understand okay now i kind of see why they do that and um and and i think that's important but yeah a lot of a lot of threats but also a lot of bright spots Mm -hmm. and um you're one of them, man. And yeah, man. We're we are glad that you're leading this ship, man. And we we uh very appreciative to have you as uh as not just a friend, but also somebody that uh, we get to work with towards the same kind of goals, man. 
Shoot, man. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. I just need to go back hunting with you guys again. Come hey, on. Hey. Open invite. We've man. been talking about this a little bit. You got all busy with some interesting stuff you got going on, but uh I know. There's some hey, just you know, when you get back in December, you're gonna be what, jealous. Just, you need to talk to us. You're gonna be we jealous. Need to do something. <laughs> oh, I'm already jealous. No, I'm not jealous. <laughs> I don't get jealous. I really Good. don't get jealous. I I I'm when I see Somebody's success, I'm pumped for him. Well, what um, we need you to do is... I do is, wish I could go hunting with him. You know, here in Texas, you don't have to put on the wetsuit to do swim up on a deer. You actually just <laughs> wear your Bermuda shorts and go swim up on the deer and shoot them. <laughs> Fight off the water moccasins, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm. Man, uh, we, we, we're we going to close her down here. We've been going for an hour and a half. This has been great. This is longer than most Bear Grease renders, guys. Sorry about that, man. Long-winded guys around here. Birds of a Medium feather. people. No, Medium it's humans. good. It's been good, good combo. <laughs> yeah. It's been good combo. Um, no, uh, I, I was – you saying water moccasins, I saw a giant rattlesnake that uh, while I was deer hunting the other day up in the mountains it was pretty cool did you put that um, on instagram i think i saw that the yeah, other day. yeah 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 that was awesome Big timber rattlers are so pretty man they are they are they are yeah i've had some good i've had some fun hunts this year but it's been tough so far close us down where y'all where y'all going next where y'all headed next man that's a great question clay it sounds like you're trying to you know write me a citation somewhere i but. don't want all these people showing up on our public lands you know that's right that's right i got i got some unfinished business up in the north country i'm about to go address in a couple days okay uh, okay uh, up uh, in the plains that's as specific as you'll get huh? yeah that's right the man. north country <laughs> the north the country live yeah um but uh, I mean, it's it's just full bore whitetail from here on out. We're gonna pretty much hit about as many states as we can get to, and uh, at some point in time, we're gonna be in your home state here this fall. Looking real forward to that. That's I mean, it's a beautiful place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. very natural. Yeah. Mm. Well, good luck to you guys, man. Thanks for being on the Bear Grease Render, and uh, just for everybody out there, if you're looking for some fun stuff, check out all of. The Elements YouTube videos, they have their own YouTube channel, but they also, it's kind of confusing. <laughs> Life's complex and confusing. They, they also have a series called Buck Truck on the Meat Eater YouTube channel. So you can go back and look for the Buck Truck, and there's like seven episodes, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of our episodes is on there, the Arkansas deer hunt that I did with Casey and Tyler last, last year. I had a great time. Had I wanted cool them to spell it with a W at the end, but they wouldn't let me, man. Oh, that would have been good. That would <laughs> yeah. have been good. Yeah. That's, yeah. Some, that's some deep Bear Grease stuff right there. That's we did right. a whole series on Arkansas yeah. with a W. I know it, man. <laughs> you know, I appreciate the opportunity to do this, Clay. And um, we uh, one, one other thing, if I could just give one more little plug here, is uh, our podcast, The Element Podcast, is a good way to keep up with everything in much more detail about what we're doing. So if you're interested in – in that, or if you want to hear more about the Arkansas buck truck uh, trip that wasn't in the video, we talk about that on our podcast, you know, so you can check that out yeah. over on uh, whatever whatever network you get this one on. Yeah. And the other cool thing that's going on with Meat Eater YouTube is you can watch all of the Meat Eater Season 12 episodes. So this is Steve Rinella's Meat Eater, the famed show in its 12th season. And I think it's wild that uh, the place, the platform that we're putting that today first is on YouTube. It's mm-hmm. wild. It, it's it's because it's such a 
it's such it, it's like such a big platform. Mm-hmm. So there's yep. still four. Se- people are confused. It, it's it's hard to keep track of, but you know, there's four seasons of Meteor that's still on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Like uh, season maybe uh, eight, nine, ten, eleven, something like that. Or, or so you can go to Netflix and watch it. But the new seasons, seasons eleven and twelve, are now on the Meat Eater YouTube channel, mm-hmm. and uh, those are good, man. Man, Ranella's show is just it's it's next level. Always has been, always been my favorite. Mm-hmm. I, it'd be hard to top. But uh, so you can check that out. And uh, yeah, well, guys, good luck to y'all. Thanks, man. We're going to get after it. I hope you uh, have safe travels this year, man. We'll be talking to you. Appreciate you, Blake. Maui Nui is on a mission to help balance Axis deer populations for the good of our environment, communities, and food systems on the island of Maui. They've shared over 126,000 pounds of nutrient-dense protein with the Maui community. Secure your spot now. Become a snack subscriber and join in helping to build more resilient food and ecosystems on Maui. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I-Venison.com. And use promo code BEAR for 20% off your first order. This show is sponsored in part by BetterHelp. Around New Year's, we get obsessed with how to change ourselves instead of just expanding on what we've already done right. Maybe you finally organized one part of your space and you want to tackle another. Or maybe you're taking your supplements every morning and now you actually want to eat breakfast. In the last year, I've been more diligent about going to the gym on a regimented schedule. And it's made a lot of difference in my life. Therapy helps you find your strengths so that you can ditch the extreme resolutions and make changes that really stick. Therapy is helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Celebrate the progress you've already made. Visit BetterHelp.com Grease today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com Grease.